Section 25 of The Obscure Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Chapter 10. Explanation of this Purgation by a Comparison. To make what I have said, and what I have still to say, more clear, I find it necessary here to observe that this purgative and loving knowledge, or divine light, is to the soul, which it is purifying, in order to unite itself perfectly to itself, as fire is to fuel, which is transforming, into itself. The first action of material fire on fuel is to dry it, to expel from it all water and all moisture. It then blackens it and soils it, and drying it by little and little makes it light, and consumes away its accidental defilements which are contrary to itself. Finally, having eaten and set on fire its outward surface, it transforms the whole into itself, and makes it beautiful as itself. Thus fuel, subject to the action of fire, retains neither active nor passive qualities of its own, except bulk and specific weight, and assumes all the qualities of fire. It becomes dry, then it glows, and glowing burns, luminous it gives light, and burns much lighter than before. All this is the effect of fire. We theorize in this way concerning the divine fire of contemplative love, which, before it unites with and transforms the soul into itself, purges away all its contrary qualities. It expels its impurities, blackens it and obscures it, and renders its condition apparently worse than it was before. For while the divine purgation is removing all the evil and vicious humors, which, because so deeply rooted and settled in the soul, were neither seen nor felt, but now, in order to their expulsion and annihilation, are rendered clearly visible in the obscure light of the divine contemplation, the soul, though not worse in itself nor in the sight of God, seeing at last what it never saw before, looks upon itself not only as unworthy of the divine regard, but even as a loathsome object in the eyes of God. The comparison which I have instituted will enable us to understand what I have said, and what I purpose still to say. In the first place, we see how the very light, and that loving knowledge which unites the soul and transforms it into itself, is the same which purifies and prepares it. For the fire that transforms the fuel, and incorporates it with itself, is the very same which also at the first prepared it for that end. In the second place, the sufferings of the soul here do not proceed from the divine wisdom, it being written, All good things came to me together with her, but from its own weakness and imperfection, from its being incapable, previous to its purgation, of receiving this divine light, sweetness, and delight. This is the source of its sufferings. So the fuel, too, is not transformed into fire at the instant of their contact, if it be not previously prepared for burning. This is the experience of the wise man, who thus describes his sufferings before his union with and possession of wisdom. My entrails were troubled in seeking her. Therefore I shall possess a good possession. In the third place, we learn incidentally how souls suffer in purgatory. The fire would have no power over them if they were perfectly prepared for the kingdom of God, and union with him in glory, 
if they had no faults to expiate, which are the matter on which the fire seizes. For when that matter is consumed, there is nothing more to burn. So it is here. When all perfections are removed, the suffering of the soul ceases, and in its place comes joy as deep as it is possible for it to be in this life. In the fourth place, we learn that the soul, the more it is purified and cleansed in the fire of love, the more it glows with it. The more the fuel is prepared for the fire, the more it burns, though the soul is not always conscious of this burning of love within it, but only now and then, when the ray of contemplation shines upon it not so strongly. Then the soul is enabled to see, and even to enjoy, the work that is going on. It seems as if the hand of the artificer was withdrawn from the work, and the iron taken out of the furnace, so as to show in some measure the work that is being wrought. Then, too, the soul may see in itself that good which it could not see while the process was going on. Thus, when the flame ceases to envelop the fuel it burns, we see clearly how much of it has been enkindled. In the fifth place, we learn how it is that, after alleviations of its pains, the soul suffers again more intensely and sensibly than before. For after the manifestation of the work that has been done, when the outward imperfections have been expelled, the fire of love returns again to purge and consume away that which is interior. Now the suffering of the soul becomes more penetrating, deep, and spiritual, according as it refines away the more profound, subtle, and deeply rooted interior imperfections of the spirit. It is here, as with the fuel in the fire, the deeper the fire penetrates, the greater is its force and energy in disposing the inmost substance of the fuel for its own possession of it. In the sixth place, we learn that the soul, though it rejoices intensely in these intervals of peace, so much so that it seems to think its trials over, never to return, even while it is certain that they will soon recur again, cannot but feel, if it observes a single root of imperfection behind, that it is sometimes observed, that its rejoicing is incomplete. It seems as if that root threatened to spring up anew, and when that is the case it does so quickly. Finally, that which remains to be purified and enlightened cannot now be concealed from the soul in the presence of what has been already purified. Thus the portion of the material fuel which is still to be set on fire is very different from that which the flame has purified. And when this purgation commences anew in the inmost soul, it is not strange that it should consider all its goodness to have perished, and that it can never recover its former prosperity. For in these most interior sufferings, all exterior goodness becomes invisible. Keeping this illustration, then, before our eyes, and remembering what I have said on the first line of this stanza, concerning this obscure night and its fearful characteristics, it may be as well to abandon the subject of these afflictions of the soul, and to enter on the matter of the fruit of its tears and their blessed issues, celebrated by the soul in the following lines. End of section 25